Welcome to All Things Being Cyber, a podcast where we aim to inform and entertain. We'll connect with vendors, security engineers, and most importantly, the ones fighting the good fight every day. Yeah, you know who you are. So grab yourself a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hey, we're finally here. Episode one of All Things Being Cyber. My name is Jim Janoulis. I am from Source 44 Security. We're going to have some uh, some amazing things lined up today, some good information. But before we get there, we are going to start with a few introductions. To my left, I have my cocktail, which is what we always encourage for these podcasts. And to my right, I will uh, I will pass it over to Gerard. Thanks, Jim. And cheers. My name is Gerard DeFreitas, and I am Source 44's Director of Marketing and Business Development. I've been with the team now for four years, and I'll tell you, it's been quite the ride. I, I think it's safe to say that the Source team is not your typical reseller. We take great pride in seeking new ways to engage and inform, and we hope that the podcast provides that for you. While my co-hosts here are stoked to enlighten you with their wit and their wisdom... There's a compliment in there somewhere. Yeah, you're welcome, Jim. I'll primarily be in the background, just trying to keep things on track. Wow, Gerard, that was a very, very insightful introduction. Thank you very much for that. I wasn't really going to use insightful, but I had another word in mind. However, I may receive some backlash for that. Now, moving on to my left, I'd like to introduce you to Paul Youngblood Manikas. Thanks, Jim. My name is Paul Manikas. I'm an account manager at Source44 as well. I've been here for just over two years. And um, if Gerard's the brains and Jim's the voice, I'm definitely the youth of the podcast. I'm uh, trying to bring a uh, bridge the generational gap, so to speak, hopefully bring a little bit more insight to the podcast from uh, a different perspective. My background, I started in the control systems side of things. So a little bit of a technical background. Um, I know that's a, a side of the industry that's a little bit overlooked and becoming more and more to the forefront, trying to secure ICS things. So hopefully you'll enjoy our podcast and thank you for joining us. Okay, thanks for that, Paul. Uh, now that the boring introductions are out of the way, uh, we'll give you a little insight. Uh, I'm going to let Paul just kind of quickly run down what you can sort of look forward to with, uh, with the first episode, at least. So the goal of this podcast is to bore you to death. No, I'm just kidding. The goal of this podcast is to talk about cybersecurity news and info. <laughs> no, our real goal for this podcast is to bring you a little bit of insight, some open dialogue, and talk about cybersecurity in a lighter fashion than uh, what's typically known for. Uh, we're going to bring you some vendor uh, experiences, customer experiences, a little bit of industry expertise, some news and try and inform you as best as we can while keeping things light and uh, entertaining. Now I want to turn our attention to our uh, first guest ever on our podcast. Um, this individual has kind of been part of our team for, for many, many years, uh, working with different vendors along the way. Uh, so we value what he has to say, and he's got some really good insights into uh, cybersecurity. Uh, I want to introduce you all to Chris Medina from Proofpoint. Chris, are you there? Good morning. Yes, I am. Awesome. Good to have you here. I've got Gerard here. I've got Paul as well. Awesome. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Uh, like I said, you are our first official guest on the wow. show. In case you hear the uh, the ice clanging, that's an actual drink, so please don't be distracted by that. We're just going to uh, move forward. Uh, we do encourage the uh, consumption of beverages during this podcast, so please feel free to do the same on your own. Any well, beverage uh, that you would like. Correct. <laughs> well, I'm ticked that I can't partake with you. <laughs> I'm, that, I'm an hour away, coming. unfortunately. That time is coming, Chris. <laughs> Awesome. So obviously a lot of the stuff, uh, the changes that have been made, uh, the changes that happened throughout 2020, I think a lot of them at the same time are probably going to stay the same moving into 21. Um, Absolutely. With respect to the security technologies, you've been a part of a couple different uh, technologies in the past, and that's kind of how we've known you. 
Um, mm-hmm. what, do, what do you see changing with respect to technologies? Are, uh, is a, you know, are the requirements going to be a little bit different this year? Like, where do you see things going in the next 6, 12, 18 months? Well, based on what I've seen, as far as socially engineered attacks are concerned, I don't think that's going anywhere. As a matter of fact, I see it increasing. And one of the reasons why is because threat actors are smart. They know that businesses are distracted with the pandemic. They know that. And from their perspective, they feel like now is the best time to attack because organizations are distracted. Now, technologies have evolved. They're a lot more sophisticated. So they've had to be a little bit more cunning in their approach. So one of the things that I've seen is just a, a significant uptick in imposter email, account compromise, um, business email compromise, because those tactics continue to be not only easy and efficient to create, um, but effective. Unfortunately, people are still not only clicking on things that they shouldn't be clicking on, but they're reading an email and thinking it's from their manager and doing what the email is asking them to do. And the email is from their manager. It's from a threat actor. A lot of times these threat actors, they, they get inside a, a, a company and they just sit there for weeks and even months just analyzing the company, trying to see who's responsible for what and trying to get a sense of the normal behaviors of, of the company. And then they replicate that in order to get what they want. And usually what they want is sensitive data or, or money. Because money is always you know, the main motivation for why these individuals do what they do. I don't see that going anywhere. Um, I see that only increasing, um, especially around COVID-19-based learners. I don't see that going any, anywhere anytime soon because, to be quite honest, I, I don't see COVID um, going anywhere anytime soon. So it's on the news. Everybody talks about it. So. That's, um, that's what I've observed and experienced in 2020, and that's what I think we will continue uh, to observe and experience in 2021. Yeah, you know what? It's funny. You, you bring up something uh, with respect to the threat factors and, and the increase and whatnot over the past 12 months or so. And I was talking to a client the other day, and they were calling out, reaching out for forensics work because their servers took a hit. They were down and beginning to rebuild. And we're looking at teams right now and uh, look at our team and, and getting this kind of work done sooner than later is, is almost impossible just because of the volume and the demand for it right now. And uh, yeah. I reached out to a couple of other forensics companies and they've been swamped since October and they do not see the light at the end of the tunnel. They're like, we don't have time to take on anything else unless you've put a retainer with us six months ago. So those vectors are definitely uh, there and uh, the increase is most certainly there as well. Yeah, not surprising. Not surprising. So this was uh, this was really a great, idea for this podcast i guess i'm curious to know like what was the what was the thinking behind it what, like what was the thought process like how did how did you guys come up with this and and what was the what was the the kind of like the root reason for it i'll fill this one guys it's quite simple actually we saw virtual event attendance drop through 2020 i assume people had no desire to join another virtual event after spending the day in virtual meetings regardless of the cool factor of the event. Sure. Because the team takes a lot of pride in providing industry insight and expertise to our customers, we need a new, me- a new mechanism to engage with people at their convenience. Yeah. So Youngblood here came up with the uh, podcast approach. Provide content so that people can consume at their convenience. It- it's simple. We went on the concept of build it, and hopefully they'll come. Cool. Love it. I think you guys got the right approach because um, during this time, I think, the call or the need of the hour, so to speak, is creativity. And um, I honestly, I'm not aware of any other resellers that are that are doing this. So kudos Shh, to you guys. Don't say that, Chris. Yeah. Other people, are gonna, <laughs> other people are going to copy. 
<laughs> well, can only speak the truth. <laughs> Well, listen, we're, we're, we're going to try a little bit. Uh, we want to obviously bring some uh, good information, you know, to this podcast and as we move along and have certain speakers on here and again, providing that information, uh, hopefully we'll make you laugh along the way and uh, make light of uh, cybersecurity as well, because we know how uh, stressful it is for the uh, teams out there right now doing the work and uh, yeah. trying to, you know, solve day in, day out uh, problems uh, without uh, taking other things on, uh, like for operations and whatnot. So security has been uh, a heavy weight for a lot of them and a lot of companies being resource light. Hopefully we can put a little light into that uh, that uh, sort of topic and uh, For sure. you know, provide some entertainment along the way, but a lot of valuable information, um, you know, uh, with yeah, speaking to individuals yeah, like yourself. Much needed. I, I mean, I think you guys are on the right track. I know for, for my company, um, we've also had to tweak our approach with virtual events as well because we were experiencing the same thing. And in the beginning, we were getting, you know, significant amount of uh, attendees and then after a while it started to drop off. So now nowadays we, when we have events, it's not even with respect to any specific topic or subject. It's just something fun, something to get their minds off of their challenges yeah. and their problems yep. and the stress that they're going through. And customers appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, that's just it. Um, as opposed to making mandatory uh, meetings on uh, on Zoom or wh- whatever uh, other uh, you know platform people were using, um, uh, you know, uh, listen as you like, and uh, and hopefully uh, we we get a lot of listeners out there uh, whenever it's convenient for them and then provide some information. Yeah, yeah, very cool. All right, Chris. Well, uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say bye to you now, and uh, thank you very much. Uh, like like I said at the start of this, uh, we always appreciate and value the information that you can uh, bring to uh, these type of things. Um, so we will talk to you soon. Uh, be safe, be well, and uh, hopefully we'll get to sit down and uh, have a drink one day. Awesome. Take Looking care, Chris. Take care, guys. Thanks again for having me. Appreciate it. All right, it's time for some news. So just to preface this a little bit, uh, we're going to be pilling some cybersecurity headlines. Did you say pilling? Let's try that again. Take two. All right, time for some news. So just to give a little bit of insight ahead of time, for the new section of this podcast, we're going to be pulling some cybersecurity headlines that uh, are prominent and and coming to the forefront, talking to them a little bit. Is it, is it wrong that Roger just texted me now to ask me if my family likes jerk sauce? <laughs> and that, that's that's a true story anyways gerard with the news uh-huh okay so this week or this episode we're going to talk about a couple of things we're going to begin with the solar winds breach because that was the big one from last year um then we'll talk a little bit about the florida water treatment plant breach and uh we'll take we'll see how it goes from there the solar winds breach as everybody knows i'm sure everybody's read about it it was probably one of the biggest u.s government hacks in, in many many years right i don't know if this confused the hell out of everyone else but this one i think it was like every day there's something else coming out about it and you're like what the heck is going on you know how i i, I like avoiding being confused not reading the article no okay yeah, yeah, that's okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. way to bring good content to the <laughs> podcast jim anytime <laughs> All right, so uh, if you do not know what SolarWinds is, it's it's basically a network monitoring suite of tools that, that companies use to obviously monitor their network. Um, the way this whole thing went down was some really, really smart people figured out how to penetrate the SolarWinds environment and um, inject malware into their updates. So, um, thank you. So what happened is you as the customer doing the right things would pull down your update and unfortunately you would infect your environment with this malware. It's kind of interesting because we're always taught like update, 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 patch, 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 but maybe there's an argument to be made. Don't patch right away. I know personally, I never, you never want to be the dot zero update. Maybe that's, 
just me, but you don't want to be the guinea pig, right? Yeah, but everybody's at some point somebody has to do it. Somebody's going to take the bait, and somebody's going to do that update. There's always got to be somebody that goes first, and it's not one of those things. Maybe you can run that in a test environment, but you know, ultimately you have to update your machines because that's where you get your security patches. That's where you get your new functionality. So you have to do your updates. Yeah, I was speaking with one person, and um, it was kind of a funny story because we were talking about this a little bit. And they were running Orion in their environment. And they're like, actually, we didn't get affected by that. I'm like, how did you not get infected? And uh, they, they proceeded to tell me, yeah, we, uh, our patch management sucks. <laughs> and we didn't update in time. And lo and behold, <laughs> it kind of worked I out well. There's a handful of those customers, too, because I think uh, one of the common stories when I meet uh, with customers or prospects is that that patch management is uh, lacks a little bit, right? Yeah. Uh, they fall behind in it and whatnot. So I'm sure there's uh, a few more people out there in that same scenario. That can definitely yeah. relate, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so the, the news article said that of 30, the 33,000 Orion customers, about 18,000 actually downloaded. So potentially 18,000 customers got up, uh, got infected. That we know of. I, 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 like, we know it's kind of wild. This one, it seems to just be in, in hitting more and more people. I wouldn't be surprised by the end of the year if a lot more people were affected by this than... Uh, and well, a bunch, a handful of people that you never hear about because yeah, we yeah, all know that when don't these disclose. type of things happen, a lot of the times people sweep it under the rug because they don't want their names out there. But, uh, you know, sooner or later, uh, most of that information does become public, so to speak. Yeah. So how did this get discovered? I think it was FireEye that, uh, that ultimately figured this out. Uh, but I think it's because they actually got, they used SolarWinds and, and they themselves got breached. So they, they figured it out and started digging around and saying, oh, this is because of a SolarWinds patching issue or not a patching issue, but SolarWinds affected patches, I guess. So who's to blame here? Like what, what can you have done as, as a customer? Not much really. When it comes down, when it comes down to it, this prevention is, is minimal. You have to do your updates, but I guess it really comes down to detection. So, you know, SolarWinds messed up. They, they, they knew, they, they were told back in 2019. Apparently SolarWinds Allegedly. messed up. Allegedly. That's right. Allegedly. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I forgot. Uh, SolarWinds was warned back in 2019 that people were accessing their system using password SolarWinds123. Oh. Like, come on, seriously. Awesome. Were there any capitals in that? No. Was it, it wasn't even complex? So you're saying no. Jim123 is not a good password? Um, if oh, it, but you know what? I do something really, really unique. I put that exclamation mark because apparently no At one uses end, that. That's no right. one does yes. that, well, right? That's why do, I do you do replace it. the I with a one? Because that's, that's a good option too. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that's your password for your bank account, it's... <laughs> also they've been accused of you know, having poor code, uh, security code development. They use, very, they use FTP for file transfers. And they're using non-reproducible builds. And Do you want to just, I'm not, uh, I'm not for the less technical that. audience members, FTP, unsecure, it's, everything's in clear text. Yes. So passwords, anything being transferred using FTP, passwords, credentials, anything, it's all. Don't use it. Correct. So what could we, what could you do as a customer? Well, I mean, it's pretty simple. It's. Couple of things. Number one is you should be blocking internet access for servers that just do not require internet access. And you should also be looking for unusual activity. That's pretty hard to do if you're, you know, one security guy or zero security guys within a company. So what do you do? What do you do? Not have one security guy. <laughs> no. Um, I think this is where automation might come into to play a little bit. I, I know a lot of these um, security analysts are just inundated with alerts, right? They're, they're getting hit from all sorts of flashing lights and tools that are just 
shooting everything at them. Um, so I think this is where something like automation might be able to help yeah. out. I, I think the industry is kind of going that direction. I think they've been listening a little bit and they're well aware of the uh, the problems out there with uh, being you know bombarded with all this work. And I think a lot of the tools out there have lent themselves to more automation, making it simpler and not needing the actual hands-on to do this stuff. Yeah, something it, like next generation Sims, um, next generation UEBA. network detection, yep. UEBA, yep. Um, definitely I think will help find those anomalies and and hopefully get you on a better track to discovering these things a little bit quicker. Yeah, I mean this thing ran from from March to December, as as far as we know, and it could continue. You know, it's, it's still probably running in some people's environments, so you you need some sort of tool. All right, next let's talk about the uh, the Florida water treatment plant um, hack. Uh, city of Oldmar was was hit this year. So the you know again most you probably know about this, but the the premise here is attacker got into their system and changed the sodium hydroxate levels from 100 parts to 11,100 parts. If you don't know what that that chemical is, uh, it's the it's the primary ingredient in uh, in drain cleaning products. Gerard showing off his chemical background. Well, you know I can Google. Make- <laughs> <laughs> I know how to use Google. But why? Why the water? Just to prove? I, mean, I know somebody in the back story? there listening it's right a, now is turning around going, what do you Batman. mean, Jim? What do you mean, why? Yeah, why? Like, you've got these elaborate skill set to do a million and one things, and some for the good, some for the bragging rights. Um, but at the end of the water. To like, speak on Gerard's, Gerard's Batman reference, Jim, some people just want to see the world burn. The hacker got in, changed some settings, and then fortunately, according, again, Apparently, allegedly, allegedly, uh, one of the get allegedly (laughs) t-shirts, one of the employees saw this happening and changed it back just in, just in the nick of time. And what was it? And correct me if I'm wrong, some software that wasn't being used that just sat around dormant forever and a day and they exposed, they exploited that. The issue with this one, and I think it's kind of weird is that there should be limits on these kinds of things where, um, if, if there's an input that's there, um, you shouldn't be allowed to set that input to. 11,000 if, if you have a dedicated range. Um, but I think this really speaks to how the things are changing um, and, and hackers are using this to try and have real world effects, like kinetic effects, right? Like this, that's something that affects people more than just... That's more than financial. It's obviously. physical, right? It's in the real world now um, and, and it's more in your face, I, I would say. The, the system that we're talking about, I think it's called SCADA, um, but that system is directly accessible from the internet. It's connected to all other machines within their little plants. See, air gapping is not a good form of security. It, it doesn't work like that anymore. No, and it's, it's running on Windows 7. So, okay, you can't flaw them for that because it, a lot of those ICS systems or those control systems, you can't upgrade. You can't really upgrade, or if you do, you're not sure what's going to happen. So, you've got to lock them down in different ways. And just saying, oh, it's air gapped, it's never going to happen, or we're fine. I, I know I was working at a different type of facility um, in the past, and we were working on a new building that was being added on to the existing existing infrastructure a lot of these control systems were in that building as well and i was like well how are we securing all of these different valves and and different kind of control systems that are here and the response i got was well it's air gapped it's it's fine and this is where before i got into security and it kind of kicked me off into wanting to get into security because even then i i kind of knew i was like that's not a good enough answer we can't just say it's fine (laughs) and walk away from it 
but and and just and and just further on that, well, just another article that I was looking at uh, mentioned the reusing of passwords. Just only I bring that up only because we were uh, laughing about pa- passwords uh, a few minutes ago. But that seemed to be one of the problems with this hack as well. Yep. Plus, I think from what I hear, they they ultimately got in through using TeamViewer, which is a, a remote access tool. This the same password is used on all the machines. Yeah, I think I think practices comes down to it uh, is a big yeah. big thing. If if we can lock down some of these good security practices, um, you, you'll see leaps and well, bounds. Well, for, for them, I think it's really it's going back to fundamentals. Yeah. They had no firewall. They had, they don't obviously don't use VPN. They're not isolating their IT and their OT. You know, so some very very basic things that every everybody should be doing. That's that's got, that failed here. Well, and one of the uh, one of the larger trends too that I've noticed over the last. I mean, the last couple of years, but more so over the last 12 to 18 months, that whole user awareness, uh, making sure that people within the workplace and people working from home, which is probably the scariest part of any uh, organization once people started, uh, you know, working from home during the pandemic, um, is just to make your users aware and make them a little more knowledgeable. And uh, I'm starting to notice a, a larger um, sort of requirement, almost necessity that uh, organizations who didn't have it in place a year, year and a half ago are uh, focusing on that this year. I think part of it too is budget. Like it's not just user awareness because it's, it's more they're using these tools to remote monitor because they don't have the budget to do it properly. Yeah. And I think even from that user perspective too, I know the industry, users get a lot of flack, not informed well enough. And I think, I think it kind of needs to change a little bit. I think we need to shift from the mindset of users suck <laughs> to but users do suck. a user yes but i think it needs to to shift to your user isn't we need to be aware so that they're part of they're part of the team they're yeah part they're, of they're the, the biggest team. attack vector the greatest attack vector yeah. right they're being targeted the most we can't we can't use it as the scapegoat of they suck we need to say okay they're getting targeted the most we need to educate and inform them as best as we can Absolutely. to try and build them up rather than just tear them down and say they suck That's the news for episode number one. We hope you found that entertaining or at least a little bit useful. As I mentioned before, in future episodes, we hope to pull one of our engineers into the conversation, dive a little bit deeper technically. But for this episode, we're going to leave it there. And it's time for our next guest. I'd like to introduce a uh, longtime customer of Source44. Pleasure to have him on the show today. Uh, It's Kevin. Uh, He works for a general contractor in the GTA. Hey, Kevin, how are you? Thanks for coming on today. Great to be here. Thank you. I'm doing well. Awesome. Um, so yeah, Kevin, just wanted to have you uh, come on the podcast. I know, uh, well, why don't we start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, so Kevin, working at a general contractor, as you said. Uh, I'm actually, I've been here for 27 years, seeing a lot of change in the company, the industry, and in my role within the company, of course. I had a passion for computers since I was 11 when a, a cousin introduced me to it and developed my passion for computer security when I was 13, and I've never looked back. That's awesome. Yeah, you, you, that's uh, didn't realize you had that much uh, tender under your belt. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, August will be 28 years. That's fantastic. Um, so you mentioned seeing a lot of change. Last year, I think, threw a curveball for everybody. Uh, how did it uh, kind of affect you guys, or what did you see? Um, and maybe tell everybody a little bit about how you had to adapt. Absolute. Uh, the open for the change of 2020, uh, my favorite meme I saw said, who led the digital transformation in your organization in 2020? And it was A, CEO, CTO, COVID-19. And I howled when I saw the meme because all the stuff we have always tried as a technology department 
to in, invoke for the users and provide to them, suddenly they needed to learn. So that was three to five months of steep learning curve where people were like, oh, but we're not allowed to be in a room? Okay. And the flood of demand for webcams and microphones and all that stuff was very rapid. And, and we discovered a number of people that were afforded VPN access that never actually touched it, which was fascinating. On a security specific, uh, we saw north of 600% increase in phishing scam attacks, uh, north of 300% increase in direct perimeter attacks, attacking our public IPs and stuff. For me, the most alarming was how much better the phishing scams kept getting. We saw about 300% increase in third party, uh, like vendors or whatever that had been compromised. And then they were sending stuff to our guys that just continued to thread. So it was very easy to fall for. Uh, what else? Oh, okay. yeah. We, yeah. How, how, how are you measuring those stats? Where, where are you getting those numbers? Good question. So we have some of it through Microsoft 365. Uh, my most, we'll say wag almost, but I look at my fish alert volume, right? So we get such a flood coming in now that we're looking at formalizing um, like a triage process with the team for the number of fishes coming in because it's easily 50 a day. Wow. Uh, yeah, and and so some of that I attribute to user education, right? Because they're learning that it's important to submit everything, and some of that is just the increase in volume. Because there were some days where I'd get three or four, like in 2019. So that that's a ten times increase, but it, I don't attribute it all to the increase in volume, right? And that is user education as well. Uh, and then the perimeter stuff is our um, Encapsula web app firewall, as well as our alerts directly from our firewalls. On, on the offices. Okay. So were those increases while while people were working from home or as the hybrid environment started to kick in? Hybrid environment kicking in for sure. Yeah. The, I mean, you, there's obviously a, a spike in false alarms as users learn how to authenticate over the VPN and, and have those types of trouble, which was a pain for us to triage, of course, to go, okay, no, that, okay, that was your home IP. That was you. Okay. Good to know. Right. Right. Or, or, or the users that didn't disconnect the VPN to us or didn't, sorry, close their Outlook client or whatever, but apparently are savvy enough to use a VPN to connect to the States or to Europe to watch whatever they can't get from <laughs> in Canada. And then we get these flood of alerts and we go, oh, no, 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 there's no way he's in Europe. Right. Yeah. And, and, and finding that balance between reacting and overreacting. Yeah. That makes it a little bit tricky. Tough, yeah, tough totally. waters to navigate for sure. That's yeah. good. It, it looks no. like you guys are, are kind of adapted well to it. Um, so I guess with that being said, what's your outlook for this coming year look like? Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, one of the questions somebody asked hit on it perfectly and, and with the increase. We do have a sim. We're not leveraging it well enough. And with the volume of stuff coming in, we need to. So that's one of my outlooks. Uh, I'm considering doing some vendor webinars to educate them based on a number of you know vendors sub suppliers that we see that are being breached and putting us at risk and I was like okay if I can do a quarterly webinar and try to educate them I can reduce their risk and ours um, but even silly little things like everybody's switched to digital now and we get a uh, 
there's a couple of vendors every single month, invariably, accounts payable hits official alert because it's company A and they have a link to download a one-page PDF of an invoice from a totally different link. Like it's not their domain. Mm-hmm. You go, okay, just attach a PDF. <laughs> like make it clear that it's all you because as soon as there's company A and company B listed and they go, uh, that's suspicious. Yeah. And, and we've properly taught them to just hit fish alert every time it's suspicious. It was like, okay, sh- why, why are you doing that? Yeah, I think that's always, that's always been a challenge. You know, you can somewhat control your environment. You can, you know, set your perimeter. You can do your email. You can train your users. But you can't control your suppliers and your vendors. And oftentimes the fishes, are, they're, they're coming from, you know, your third-party uh, partners that you have in place. Exactly. And they are, like I said, exceedingly difficult, right? Because they'll take an email that exists and, and do a reply. And, and we've seen one that uh, I think the biggest we saw was about $245,000 attempt wow. to get a progress draw that was supposed to be a payment to us. So fortunately, there was enough awareness in the chain and, and the bad guys messed up that we could see it and trace down where it happened. But they leveraged a compromised account from a like a fourth party almost to try to get our owner to pay a new account. Right. Right. So it didn't technically hit our accounts payable or anything. It was inbound quarter mil. It would have been worth the payday for the bad guys, of course. But yeah, like if you don't educate, if those third parties, fourth parties aren't educated, there's no way they're going to catch it. Yep. Yep. You're absolutely right. And then what a battle. So Kevin, you mentioned something I'd like to quickly circle back to if you, if you don't mind. Um, you yeah. said you have a SIM but it's not fully, you're not, you're not taking advantage of the investment. Um, what's preventing you from doing that? What has prevented you from, from getting the most out of your SIM product? I'm betting you can guess, but I'll go there anyway. Time. <laughs> we just haven't had the time. Right. Uh, I went to about a three-hour, well, actually, I think it was supposed to be a four- or five-hour webinar, but I thought it was two and a half, and that was all I had available. So I missed the last half of it. And it is a product that was recommended to me by Source44, and I've been loving it. Uh, the stuff I use in it is working great. It's, it's, it's integrating it and better leveraging it. That Realistically, we should probably have a call. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. We can have another one after the interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After this, let's get into that. But uh, yeah, it, it's super capable, and it can aggregate all those things. And that is one of the things we're looking to achieve in 2021, because... We just don't have time to triage that level of volume, right? Right. Yeah, that ties so, into something that I mentioned earlier in the podcast about analysts being inundated with so much information. But yeah, I think uh, you're on the right track, it sounds like. Um, and, and it looks like uh, at least you guys are being proactive, which I think is always step number one. Be proactive, not reactive. Uh, reactive. Totally. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time today, Kevin. Uh, we're going to wrap this up and, and head on to our next segment, but really appreciate you taking the time. Um, I guess if there's two things that we can take away from COVID, uh, it's brought more awareness to security and it's brought a lot better memes. So uh, I saw that one you mentioned that uh, I got a good chuckle out of it too. There's a couple other one, good ones uh, floating around out there. Yeah, absolutely. Good talking to you, Kevin. Thank, thank you. you. Have a good day. You know what? I, I found a lot of that information very surprising and I'm glad he was actually uh, able to give us some some reliable statistics there, but here you are day in, day out, and you work in security, and you always think it's healthcare, retail, for obvious reasons, the information that's out there uh, that, that can be stolen or, or taken advantage of. 
And here we are with general contracting slash construction. And although you assume certain things may happen, uh, like a phishing email, but Kevin hit on so many things that I wouldn't have even thought of, like to, 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 to see that type of spike in some of those areas. Yeah, no, it's fantastic that he has that, in, so that, that information that he can, he can see that and show that to senior management. I, I agree. I was surprised. Yeah, I, I mean, he did. Uh, he also did uh, move on and, and talk about a lot of the common stories and problems that people are having day to day, which was great to hear. Um, I think a lot of people can relate. Um, but uh, that that spike in those, those statistics, I think I have to say, uh, definitely shocked me. Yeah, I think I think a lot of companies are, are feeling the same pain and they're all in the same boat. All right, next up, I'm going to introduce our uh, our next guest, and I've actually been looking forward to this one. And uh, you'll you'll kind of see with uh, with some of the information that comes out of this one, uh, I think is going to come across very valuable. Uh, some really good insight. This organization has come a long way, and I think led the way. Not, I think I, I I truly believe that they've led the way in this area. But we'll get into those details after we start talking to Michael McConey from Netscope. Michael, you there? Yes, I am. Hey, Jimmy, how are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Thanks for taking some time to uh, to speak with us today. Um, I want to obviously hit on some really key things with Netscope. Uh, I, I just, you, you guys have always been in, in our brains here, and especially with the pandemic and pre-pandemic and the insights of your organization, where you started, where you are today, and the problems that you're solving. And not to mention, you guys built yours from ground up as opposed to everyone being sort of reactive and starting to acquire CASB solutions and everything after that. I'm hoping we can get some of that information from you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pass it over to you and, and give us something about, you know, Netscope a few years ago was CASB. Some people were ready, others didn't even know what was going on, and you guys were already at it. And then people started moving to CASB, and the pandemic hits, and where did Netscope shift? Where did you see a lot of things shifting? And then we'll talk about future roadmaps right after that. Does that work? Yeah, that sounds great. Awesome. Uh, I, I, you know, good question. I, I would tell you four or five years ago, um, when CASBs first came to the market, they were brought to the market to solve a couple issues. Number one was it was to help customers with shadow IT. So they would take, you know, information from the customer's, you know, next generation, uh, you know, um, firewall or gateway. And then give the customer a report to say, hey, here is all your shadow IT. Here's the four or five applications we can help you with. Because what they did was plug in an API that would help the customer look at um, data at rest. And then go to your firewall and block the other um, you know, applications that we found. And when Netscope was born to the market, we always said, hey, instead of trying to block cloud, let, a lot, let cloud in because we were one of the only ones that could provide real-time controls over that traffic. And if you fast forward you know, to today, um, the pandemic has really caused customers to rethink the way they're architected. Meaning, do we really need to backhaul traffic back to HQ? Do we really need to continue to invest on on-prem hardware when we today can go direct to cloud? So Netscope has evolved now to being one of the SASE leaders, and SASE is a new terminology that Gartner coined, and it's all about secure access, secure edge. Meaning, today, are your four walls the end user? Probably not. Your four walls now are where the user is sitting, and that person now is working from home. 
All right. Do you because I, I still do. Do you get any chuckles when you use the word sassy? Because sometimes I, I have to. I, I grin at a minimum, and sometimes I chuckle. I think of like a little kid that's like five years old that's just throwing attitude all yeah, over the place. Hey, Michael. I, I, you know what? When we used to be able to sit in front of each other, and and you first introduce, and hey, hey, guys, Gardner's coming out with this new sassy term or category. You laughed at it too. I did, and you know why? Because you got to give it to Gardner. They're, they're the best at always coming up with a four-letter acronym, right? Casby, Sassy, they're really good at doing that. And it's amazing, though, and I'm sure you guys have seen it from all the other vendors that you deal with and you guys being up to speed on cybersecurity, being one of the leaders in that. Customers are getting a lot of Sassy right now from a lot of different people, and it's being talked a lot about. So it seems like it's a four-letter acronym that has gained a lot of momentum in the last six months, that's for sure. That's right. That is uh, that is one of the things that we have been, uh, I guess, sort of the, the main point and the main discussions that we've been having over the last little while, I mean, for obvious reasons. So in saying that, and now that we're past and, and not completely out of the woods yet and going forward into 2021, Michael, um, we're, we're, what's Netscope talking about now? I mean, you, you, you guys, I think, uh, got in there first with your Casbys and you got in and then you started to innovate and to evolve into to, to, to more, more, more than one thing, uh, you know, on your platform. So where, where, where are we going this year or, or you remain focused on a particular thing that you have been for the last little while? Well, what's on the roadmap? So today I would tell you the trend is customers want to go direct to cloud because what they're starting to realize is that their next gen firewall or gateway doesn't really understand the language of cloud. And what I mean by that is today, we know that a lot of customers are going to SaaS applications. So what we're saying is today, a firewall will say, Jimmy went to Dropbox. What Netscope says is, wait a second, not only did Jimmy go to Dropbox, but what version of Dropbox did he go to? So he went to the personal version of Dropbox. He took a file, he made changes to that file, and then he tried to share it from Dropbox to personal OneDrive. So we inspect not only just web traffic for a customer, but also SaaS. And that's the big thing today. Today, the world has evolved from CNN.com, web proxies, where, you know, today just don't work. Like the block and allow strategy doesn't work. Today, 50% now of web traffic is SaaS based. So your customers are looking for something to not only just help them with URL web traffic, but they need something for also SaaS traffic. And we're one of the only ones that do that. And that's where I think the trend is going to more help us with SaaS, not just our corporate sanctioned applications, but we need help with all applications, regardless if we own them or not. Yeah, it's good. You know what? And that's that's one thing I think that's probably the common message uh, when, when uh, discussing Netscope is the visibility that you do provide, the granularity um, with Hit your solution. Nailed right on the head um, there, Jim. That granularity that you get with Netscope, I think, is unparalleled. You can really, really dive deep, which is really cool. Yeah. And you guys, you know, and one of the things I'm sure you guys are seeing too, because your customers are asking for it is, you know, a possible VPN replacement today. So today, the big buzzword too that you hear out there, another acronym is zero trust, right? And what zero trust is looking at is, you know, unlike a traditional VPN that gives you east and west uh, traffic, which is sometimes another security issue, but because everyone's going that route, it's causing a lot of latency issues. Today in our same platform, not only can we help the customer with SaaS and Secure Web Gateway, but now we could also do zero trust where we will now only grant access to the application that the user is going to. And again, this has become very, very popular post-COVID since everybody now from home are accessing on-prem applications. And instead of, again, granting access to the entire network, we can now just grant them 
access to the application that they're going to, which again is a big trend we're seeing in the marketplace. I agree. I agree. Um, well, let's. Uh, we're going to wrap this up because uh, we've taken enough of, of your time. And uh, again, I, I was looking forward to this one because I knew a lot of good information was coming out of it. And you know, Michael, uh, in presentations and and, and uh, introductions with uh, with clients of ours, our mutual clients, uh, you and your team have always done a great job. And uh, you're you're. I think you're a fantastic speaker. Um, and, and I knew this is going to cut. This was going to come across. Uh, really well today so well thanks uh, jimmy and thanks uh, source 44 you guys have always been a great partner and uh we appreciate the partnership and look forward to uh continued success together thanks michael okay bye-bye and that's a wrap on episode one thank you everybody for joining us i'd like to send out a special thank you to all of our guests today chris medina from poof point our longtime customer and good friend kevin and mike mcconey from netscope if you have any topic ideas, questions, or general comments, please email us at podcast at source44.net. Excellent. Thank you very much, Paul, for that. And as we wrap up, uh, we'd like to uh, we'd like to ask you to tell a friend or nine. Maybe like us on Spotify, rate us on iTunes. And uh, I'm glad that we had Netscope here today because uh, it's going to lead us into our next episode where we take a deeper dive into sassy. 